Raising the Bets is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to Raising the Bets, where a Catholic couple raising five kids outside of Boston join us as we share the joys and challenges of marriage, homeschool, and our adventures near and far as we make sense of the world and experience the best parts of our culture. I'm Dom Bettinelli. And I'm Melanie Bettinelli. Big sigh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're recording on Father's Day. Yeah, Happy Father's Day, Dom. Thank you. Uh, that was I wasn't digging for a Happy Father's Day, but thank you for, for doing that. Um, so, how did my Father's Day go? Is the uh, the usual thing, and uh, so I spent my day relaxing, which was nice. I played some video games, read my book, sat on the patio, had a beer. It was good. It's nice. It's quiet, relaxing. Didn't have to go anywhere. Didn't have to do anything. The weather kind of was weird today. It was kind of rainy this morning, and then the sun came out this afternoon, and it's been nice. Take my mind off my troubles. How was your day? Um, <laughs> yeah. It was there. It was there. My so, face hurts. Y- yes, you have a nasty rash that you're dealing with, and I'm very sorry. We've we've been to the doctor, and... I've been to I've been to urgent care and I've been to the dermatologist and the dermatologist was so very reassuring. She said it could take months to clear up. Oh, so nice, so nice. The how that helps. Um, so the other big thing we've been dealing with this week is our air conditioning. Now I know we live in New England, so air conditioning is not the vital lifeline that it is, say, in the South. It's something of a luxury, I suppose. But it is still, I mean, we we went to, listeners will remember, we went through this last summer where our air conditioning was broken for several weeks at a time. Uh, The the, um, HVAC guys sent out several different repair guys, each with a different diagnosis, until finally one of them figured out that the blower motor was broken and needed to be rebuilt. And so it's been working since then. And the AC also, that, that air handler also, handles the heat so it worked all winter so that was good and it's been working this spring we've had a few hot days and our house as, as we mentioned has these tiny windows so the house never cools off and so we run the have to run the ac a lot more than we would if we had bigger windows and we'd let the breeze blow through blow through anyway uh we had this thing last week a little bit more than we could go where around dinner time you noticed that the compressor outside was running but the air handler the thing that blows the cold air around the house was not again again so we turn it off wait overnight which is what we did last time Uh, i called the repair guys when he came we turned it on and it was working of course and so we uh we wait because we know it's going to break again but they won't listen to us and they don't actually go up into the attic to look at the air handler and so same thing so I call them back. They send another guy out. This time he goes up and he says, yeah, you got a leak. And so and the leak is causing it to freeze up. And then when we turn it off and let it sit, it defrosts and starts running again. So it's half working. We have to make sure that we don't run it so much that it freezes up. The downside. So we have to keep the heat, the, the AC, the temperature in the house higher than we normally would. Uh, the so the result is it can't be fixed because it uses the old kind of refrigerant R22 which is now banned and uh, I talked to another guy and he said well I mean some people have some store some you know stored around some canisters of it but it's really really expensive and so we could probably fix it for two or three grand but that's just a band-aid because there's no guarantee that you put a you fix the leak here Another one won't. Another one won't spring up over there. So, what are the alternatives? We could get another conventional air conditioning system that's around seven grand, and then the or we could go for a heat pump, which is the newfangled energy efficient thing that the government wants everyone to do. Um, and and I'd love to get a heat pump. It replaces both heat and air. And uh, the downside is 
it can't heat. It doesn't provide heat below a certain temperature, which I think is like zero or 10 or 10 below or something. I have to look at different systems to have different lower limits. Um, so you need to have like a, in this area, you need to have a secondary heat system for when it's um, the 14 days a year when it's below the, the limit. Uh, that's what the guy said, um, which it could be electric or, you know, we have a brand new oil burner. So we keep that as our backup, I suppose. Um, but that said, that's going to cost about 13 grand. However, <laughs> the state provides rebates and we could qualify given the size of our family and our income. I am on a nonprofit salary. Uh, we might actually be able to get the whole thing covered by it, but it's a rebate. So we have to put the money out up front. <sighs> so we're trying to figure this out and we'll, in the meantime, we have to baby the air air conditioner and hope it keeps running and we've got the ball rolling. We'll see what we can do. But um, yeah, so that's been my concern this week. I, I, like I want to get fr from here to there. Like I do want to, ha I would love to have a heat pump. I think it's a great idea. It's the getting from here to there that worries me. Yeah. So, um, and then looking back is again, if you've been listening for any length of time, you know, <laughs> the long history of problems we've had in the house. Uh, and I, I did some math and over, since 2021, we have done, over a hundred thousand dollars in repairs to our house. That's it, a lot. In almost every, almost every major system of the house, we did. We did the most of the floors. We did a lot of the walls. We painted everything. We have a brand new bathroom, the, all because of the the plumbing disaster leak. We've got a new roof. That's from when the solar panel installers put holes in the roof and made that leak. So the roof is all new. Um, what am I missing? All the plumbing is brand new. Um, the furnace that we replaced six years ago. Um, <laughs> it is like <sighs> the foundation is the only thing we haven't replaced. Although we did have to jackhammer the foundation when we when they did the bathroom. So <sighs> it's been home ownership. It's an adventure. A hole in the ground you pour money into. So um, so that's how uh, things have been going here. So say a prayer for us that we can get this fixed and move on to the next the next disaster. Oh, so let's uh let's move on from that happy subject and talk about things we've been cooking. And we had uh, one new recipe I tried this week. <laughs> this was a bit of um I liked it. You liked it and I liked it. So this was a I'd say a 10% meal. The, the kids unfortunately were not fans. So so the recipe is is a caramelized pork with orange and sage. This comes from Milk Street Kitchen, based on a recipe from uh, a famed Argentine chef. And uh, it's a so it it's pork tenderloin, which is then um, you brown it in. Well, let me back up. You, you you take the tenderloin, you make it thin and fl you know flat, about an inch thick, and you cut you cut them into pieces, um, each tenderloin into three pieces. Then you cook it on one side in a skillet till it's golden brown. Then you flip it over, you you know transfer the plate, flip it over, and then you take a mixture of turbinado sugar, which is that thick you know um, big chunky crusty big chunky crusty sugar with orange zest and sage that has been all rubbed together to get the orange zest and sage flavor all distributed throughout the sugar. And you put this as a coating on each piece. You're kind of pressing it in and really, you know, coating it. Then you put them back into the skillets with that coating side up and you put it under the broiler for, it said five to seven minutes. I had to do longer. I don't know why. Our broiler always takes longer. Yeah, our oven is just not. Is hot, <laughs> and uh, then you, that, what that does is caramelizes the sugars on top, so it kind of makes them a caramel, kind literally. of like a creme brulee. Yeah, and cooks the 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 meat the rest of the way through, and then you take them out, set them aside, and then you, you, in the pans you add orange juice and more sage and um, cider well you do that you, and you boil it down in the pan to make a syrupy sauce then at the end you add some cider vinegar to kind of balance out the sweetness 
and uh, then you serve that over it. And I served it with rice. And uh, like you said, I I liked it. You liked it. The kids were all like, they did not like the sweet and meat flavor. Which is funny because they like some sweet. Well, as you pointed out, the bourbon chicken, which is a, a Chinese-inspired recipe um, that we have, is very sweet. Or sweet and sour pork is think, also I sweet. Think the bourbon chicken is much sweeter than this pork was. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed because it was it was pretty good, but we'll probably never be able to make it again. <laughs> so yeah. The uh, other thing I did was um, the the only reason I made this one this week was because uh, it was a cool saturday so it, i didn't mind heating the house up with the broiler friday we were having uh fish we were having salmon and a piece of cod fillet haddock fillet and uh you didn't want to heat up the oven for that so i did it on the on the grill which i've never done fish on the grill like that before just straight up a uh, piece of fish and it came out pretty good i used the gas grill and i was able to do you know i turned on only one burner and got it up to 425 and kept it there. It was a pretty steady 425. And it I think it cooked pretty good. The only thing it didn't have is usually when you cook salmon is you throw it under the broiler at the end for a minute or two to kind of char the top. And I just couldn't not, do that. Not char so much as, but, but just make it a little crunchy. Yeah, a little, yeah, it just kind of dries out the, the top of the fish. Uh, so we didn't have that, but it was still good, I think. Yeah, I think that worked out well. Actually, so I love the idea of in the summer cooking the fish outside on the grill and not heating up the house. That's that's a that's a nice yeah. benefit. So um, the only other notable food thing this week was uh, I had Ben helped me make pancakes for dinner the other night. We had a th- uh, it came up a few weeks ago. The kids talking about like I think I brought up how some of our friends, their kids all take turns making a dinner like one night a week or something like that. Is it Aaron whose family doing that? Does that? Yeah. Aaron, remind least, me if you listen to this. At least they used to be. Yeah. Uh, t- tell us if you still, if your kids still do that. Uh, so our kids don't, but we want to kind of get them into it. And so Ben's like, I'll, I want to help cook and I'd like to make pancakes. So I said, okay, we can do pancakes for dinner. So I walked him through it. My time tested recipe, which is uh, I think the best pancake recipe around in all modesty. And uh, we so we had pancakes and bacon, and I think it came out. We had uh, blueberry pancakes and um, chocolate chip peanut butter chip uh, pancakes. Uh, so that was that came out pretty well. Uh, do you remember when we used to have lots of pancakes left over? Yeah, <laughs> and you didn't even have any this time. You can't have any because you're avoiding the flour. So, and anyway, so that's what we've been cooking. So let's talk about what we've been reading and watching. So I'm still working on the book by Jim Butcher, the, his new Cinder Spires series um, called the air. The book is called the aeronauts windless. It's so far so good. Jim Butcher is, you know, the, he, he's the author of the Dresden files, which both of us really enjoy really like that series. And this is a new series by him. And I was all, I was wondering, well, I liked it, his writing in a completely different genre. Uh, Cause Dresden is, Sort of like urban fantasy, urban. Yeah. Urban fantasy, detective noir sort yeah. of. Yeah. Magic and that sort of stuff. This is um, kind of steampunk high fantasy. It's it's steampunky um, and yeah, fantasy. So I like it really good. Get his trademark humor and uh, his knack for characters. Really, I think that's his 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 real strength is the characters he he uh-huh. writes really good characters so um and he's so he's got that again and uh so that's what i've been uh reading but i wanted to mention the movie i watched which is the new um oh, thor what's his name hemsworth chris hemsworth movie uh on netflix called extraction 2 so there was a movie came out 2020 w- that he did called extraction and uh, where he plays a mercenary who for hire who rescues people. He, you know, rescues people who's been kidnapped or in dangerous situations or what have you. And uh, so this one picks up from where that one ends. I don't want to spoil anything, but it ended uh, in a tough spot for our hero. And it picks up from there. There's not a lot of plot. He has to go rescue a family. 
Okay. And then the people uh, who he's rescuing this family from take exception to this and come after them. Okay. It's a fairly conventional plot. In fact, there isn't much plot at all. There's, it's basically three set piece action set, you know, action set pieces kind of hung together with this beginning spot, this, this like first 25 minutes that connects it to the previous film, which kind of went on too long or should have gone on longer. Actually, it's like one or the other. They should have, (laughs) they should have either committed to this story that they were telling at the beginning or just not done it in, in like had it all happen off screen in between the movies <clears throat> regardless. So the, the, the thing I want to mention about this, it's, it's, so it's not much of a plot. The action scenes are amazing. Like if you want to watch an action movie, like people say, Oh, John wick is amazing action and the way they film it. This is, there's this new thing that they do in action movies. The one continuous take camera thing, like, they'll have a scene where there's a car chase and you're following our hero's car from behind, from the viewpoint of the bad guys. And the camera kind of races up next to the good guy's car and turns and looks in the window, then goes in the window of the car and then goes through the middle of the car and then comes out the back window and then goes up in the air and looks, and it's like this one continuous shot and all this action is going on around it. And, and it's amazing. And there's this this whole set piece, this escape from a prison that takes place. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And it's like, it's got to be at least a half hour. Like this this scene, this continuous scene of escape. It was, it was pretty amazing. Like the just the filming of it. So um, as, as far as action goes, it's pretty wild action. It's a pretty, pretty amazing uh, scene in you know the the movie itself, so I, I I enjoyed that aspect of it. It was kind of a brainless blow em up movie. <laughs> Some gratuitous violence. There was an interesting subplot about religion. the The main bad guys were these Georgian uh, country, not state, right? Drug drug lords who felt like they were so they're they're orthodox and felt like they were on a mission from God to. I don't know, be his tool of vengeance or something on the world. Uh, so basically religious fundamentalist terrorists, but not Islam. Okay. Uh, a little hard to believe, a little hard to, you know, that someone could twist Christianity to that degree and yeah, whatever. But it was just a subplot. So that's what I watched. What, what have you been watching and reading? Um, should I start with reading or watching? Entirely up to you. Why don't you start with what you watched? Okay, I watched the first couple of episodes of Mrs. Davis, uh, which is a TV show about an AI and a nun, <laughs> essentially. So Mrs. Davis, uh, the, the title is the AI that has taken over the world. I would say this kind of feels like screwball comedy. Action screwball comedy? Action screwball comedy. I mean, it is kind of like off the wall. It starts off with a guy who's stranded on a desert island who's trying to get a signal out, and he finally does. And then he's picked up by a ship, and it turns out in the 10 years that he's been stranded on the island, the world's been taken over by an AI that everybody is in constant contact with through an earbud in their ear. And the AI's name is Mrs. Davis and the AI is benevolent and has rid the world of all bad things, war and crime and violence and everything. Um, But the story is really about this nun, Sister Simone, who is resisting the AI and does not want to have anything to do with it. Okay. Um, But the AI wants wants to wants to talk to her now you said this is the um you watched the first episode i've watched the first two episodes first two how does it treat uh the catholic faith i felt the catholic the treatment of the catholic faith is a little bit of a caricature but everything in the show is kind of a caricature so i I don't know that I would really complain about that. Um, She spends a lot of time 
getting getting doing missions for God essentially. Uh-huh. It, it it's a little spoilery, but I'm gonna maybe spoil it a bit. Um, she spends the first episode talking to this guy whose name is Jay, who's like a cook at a restaurant, like a diner, okay, order cook sort of thing. Um, and he's getting his, the orders for her from like the boss who's behind a closed door. Um, but then the second episode, it turns out not surprisingly, except I actually didn't see it coming that Jay is her husband. She's a nun. So. Which like ex-husband or. No, no, no. Like it's Jesus. Jay. She, she's just Jay. So okay. So when she when she's praying, she's she's visiting this imaginary diner and talking to the cook whose name is Jay. Oh, okay. So when she's praying, you don't know that until partway in. Until partway that in. When she goes to this diner, it's she's she's praying and it's it's this imaginary diner and the the short order cook is Jesus. Right. Which it sounds really cheesy it actually kind of worked for me like that she has this really close personal relationship with Jesus who she really sees as he's my husband right you know he's my love and nuns marry Jesus is kind of the old saying you know explanation for yeah right and I it was kind of corny but I kind of liked it okay Um, it I think that it might not work for everyone, though. Right, right. Um, but I didn't feel like it was being disrespectful. I thought it was being a little bit maybe flippant. But Cheeky. then again, <laughs> yeah. But but then again, I kind of I know people whose relationships with God is a little bit cheeky and flippant, and sure, sometimes on the slightly irreverent edge. And so it feels real to me. Like I really kind of believe this edgy action hero nun character who has this quirky relationship with Jesus. I'm kind of buying it. I mean, especially the the world is kind of over the top and I'm just kind of, I feel like it's, it's a ride. I'm, I'm going on this ride. She does have an ex-boyfriend who comes and shows up and um, he isn't quite ready to admit that the nun thing isn't, that it's just that it's it's not just a delusion she's suffering under, but she's really um, committed. Yeah. And then it turns out, and then we get a lot of her backstory. It turns out that her parents were stage magicians. Right. And that kind of plays into the whole, like her distrust. I think her distrustful stance towards the AI seems to be not unconnected with her kind of distrust of magic with her parents stage magicians stage, stage magicianship right um so, interesting character i'm interested to see where the story goes um the ai is trying to get her to go on a quest and so i think it's going to try an even crazier turn so it's on peacock um and it's the um one of the creators is damon lindelof of one of the creators he's one of the uh, showrunners from lost that's among a lot of other things, too, by the way. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, that's... I mean, I figured I liked I liked Lost. I didn't expect this to be anything like Lost because, yeah. I mean... I liked Damon Lindelof's stuff a lot. I mean, some of the things he's worked on, like some of the movies have had issues, both in Star Trek and Star Wars, just put it that way. But in general, other things he's done, I think are interesting. So I'm, I'm curious... To see how they how where would this would go? I'm I'm interested in watching this myself, so we'll see how it goes. One of my favorite female actresses, I guess, shows up in the get as a guest cast member. Uh, I can never say her name. Shore Agdashlu. She's uh, an Iranian actress, and she was in The Expanse, um, and she's done some other things too. But uh, I. Uh, I, I can never say her name, but uh, she's really uh, she's a lot of fun. I think she's great as a as an actress. Cool. And so that's what you watched. How about what you've read? OK, I finished two books this week, both short uh, juvenile fiction. Uh, one was A Tale of Time City 
by Diana Wynne-Jones. And as you could suspect from the title, it's a time travel novel. Mm -hmm. Uh, It starts with a little girl who is being evacuated from London during the Blitz. Um, And she's... Like so many British juvenile novels are. It's it's almost a cliche. Uh, And she's met at the train station in the country. She's supposed to be met by her cousin. And instead, this young kid who's dressed very friendly shows up and snatches her away. And she has to go on an adventure to save Time City, which is a city which exists kind of outside of the flow of time and sort of tries to govern the flow of time. It kind of feels a little bit like Loki, the the TVA. Right. Um, But it's not. It's different. I mean, it's different. It's one of these these where nobody wants, like the kids have to save the world because if they tried to get the adults involved, the adults wouldn't believe them because they're kids. So everything is going to rest on their shoulders. Um, which is a plot that kind of drives me a little bit crazy, right. but she sold it. Like I believed it. It was a fun adventure. Uh, lots of traveling through time. I, I liked the characters and uh, the sort of off kilter sense of never being quite sure that you're standing on firm footing. Okay. Um, but it was good. Uh, then I also read a book that the kids have read before, and I was curious because of the title, Alcatraz and the Evil versus the Evil Librarians. Yes. By Brandon Sanderson, which is... It's a series of books, right? Right. It's the first in a series. Um, and it's kind of about a boy who's sort of a chosen one character, a la Harry Potter. Um, basically... The world that we live in, the world that we know, is kind of a fiction that's been created by the librarians who control the flow of information. Librarians basically are the Illuminati who sh- control the world. They they control the world. Yeah. And they're evil. Like librarians, like the the little old lady down at your local li- public library branch. Right. Yeah. Um, But it turns out that there is another whole magical world that is trying to break in and, and free the people who are in our world, essentially we're called the, our world is called the Hushland, And uh, then there's the free countries. And it turns out that there's a couple other continents <laughs> that the librarians have managed to keep hidden. And they're the free places. That, uh, there are other continents in the world that people don't know about. Right. Like okay. one in the Pacific ocean and one in the Atlantic ocean, I think. Like, okay. Atlantis. Um, so far, we we haven't got there yet. Like in this okay. in this book, you don't get there. But basically, the, the, there's a quest. Uh, his on his thirteenth birthday, he receives a mysterious package. He's been in foster care all of his life, and then his grandfather shows up and and uh, tells him about the secret world, Harry Potter. Yes, uh, <laughs> and of course, it turns out that he is gifted. One of the things I liked is that the magical gifts of the characters are all things that we would consider curses. Like his gift is he breaks things uh-huh. and his grandfather's gift is that he arrives late. Right. But arriving late for the right thing would be a gift because if you arrive late for say a, a disaster, right. If you arrive late for getting shot, then you don't get shot. Right. That sort of thing. And you know, if your power is breaking things and you break the enemy's weapons, then they can't attack right. you. Or you you're you've been imprisoned and you break the lock on the jail. Door. Exactly. So okay. there's a there's a fun kind of there's a lot of turning the world upside down, turning our our common notions upside down. And I it's very playful. It's very almost silly. Yeah. But it's kind of a good adventure. And Alcatraz story. is his name, the boy's name. Yes, because the, the librarians have named prisons after the great heroes of the free world in order to sort of undermine them. So Alcatraz, Bastille, Sing Sing. Yes. All the all the prisons all you the can great, think of. The great, the great famous prisons are really they're, they're hereditary names of the oculators. The Lubyanka. <laughs> yeah, we haven't got that one yet, but yeah. I'm, I'm curious if Lubyanka is going to show up at some point. Um, That's the one in Moscow. Yes. Yep. Anyway, it's a it's a fun series. It's very kid friendly. 
Um, it's kind of crazy. It's the sort of thing that really appeals to tweens and teens, especially boys. My our yeah. boys loved it. I remember Anthony. I was out to lunch with him one time, and he was trying to tell me all about it. So it was kind of that's yeah. why I knew a little bit about it. I right. I was curious because they've told me little bits and pieces, and so I I checked it out. I love the little bit of conceit of a, an author making librarians the bad guys yes because because a, a lot of times the authors will make the librarians the good guys because books right but but this is kind of turning it on its on its head uh, it's kind of fun yeah there's a lot of sort of backwards he spins the, the the narrator alcatraz spins most of the novel telling you that he's not a nice guy and you shouldn't trust him and you shouldn't believe him and he's going to trick you and so there's a there's a kind of a unreliable narrator yeah unreliable narrator and playing with conventions playing with literary conventions playing with narrative and storytelling conventions and i really i like that kind of playfulness it's, okay it's fun yeah, and this is your first Brandon Sanderson. This is my first Brandon Sanderson novel. I am going to probably read some. You've got to do the Way of Kings novels or the Mistborn, but you got to you got to maybe start with Mistborn. Actually, I think Way of Kings is I think slightly better. So you should start with Mistborn and then read Way of Kings. Right. It's like he's. It's like he took what he learned from Way of Kings, and and improved it for, uh, or what he learned from Mistborn and improved it for Way of Kings. So yeah, you should read Miss Bourne. One of one of these days, I will. I'll get around to it. <sighs> she never takes my advice for books to read. <laughs> I I do eventually. Eventually, mostly, mostly. Uh, all right. So, not like you take my advice for books to read. Oh, because I didn't read the Dresden Files because you okay, told you, me to. You finally did. Yes, finally. <laughs> um. So. Let's uh, before we get too deep into the weeds on that. Oh, let's move on. And any other things you've watched or read? I, I think I, I have this nagging feeling that I watched something else, but I cannot for the life of me think of it. I'll probably remember it like five minutes after after we, I hit stop on the record. Yeah, we yep. finished recording. Yep. In which case, I'll talk about it next week. There you go. Or maybe I didn't, and my mind is just playing tricks on me. Who knows? <laughs> That's entirely possible. Entirely. All right, so let's move on to talk about this week's gospel readings. Uh, this week we had a guest uh, priest, Father Bob Connors, was the uh, celebrant for the Mass at our parish. He is the Episcopal Vicar for the South Region of the Archdiocese of Boston. I, I might have mentioned this before, but our, the Archdiocese is divided into four regions, North, West, South, and Central. And usually there's an auxiliary bishop who's in charge of the various regions. Um, but in Boston, they also they have an Episcopal vicar. An Episcopal vicar has the delegated authority of the bishop to do things, particular like things. Yeah, and so he sort of oversees 58-some-odd parishes in this region, you know, doing confirmations and also sort of being a resource for the pastors and part of the chain of command. You know, when you... The the cardinal is, not only does he have to be Archbishop of Boston, but he's given all these other responsibilities in Rome and at the USCCB, and so uh, this is just a way for things to happen without having him to have to, to do every single thing. And so Father Rob Connors is the um, he's the Episcopal vicar for our region, and so he was celebrating Mass. I think my guess is Father Matt, our pastor. It's either that he's away, he's a, as mentioned before, a Naval Reserve chaplain with the Marines. So he might be away on his two weeks or maybe one of the other priests is away, you know, say going to Haiti or going back to Cape Verde or something like that. In any case, Father Bob was there and um, we had this week's readings and he made an interesting point, which is we talked last time about how. The Easter season ends with three big feasts, Pentecost, Trinity Sunday, and Corpus Christi. And so then this week we get a reading in the gospel of Jesus sending the the apostles out on their mission. So sending them out two by two, gives them their, their instructions. And Father, Father Bob made the connection with this in those feasts. He says, the last three feasts give us the keys to our mission. You know, in the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit births the church. The Trinity is the central mystery of the church, and the body, the the, the body and blood of Christ are the the proclamation of 
the body of Christ, which is the church. You know, it's the animating principle, the lifeblood, literally, of the church. Uh, and so this this week's readings show us how Jesus sends us out on our mission. And he picked three verses from the, the Old Testament, you know, the first reading, the second reading of the gospel. And so from Exodus, we have the line, hearken to my voice and keep my covenant. You know, therefore, if you hearken to my voice and keep my covenant, you will be my special possession. So we need to hearken to his voice. And then in Romans, St. Paul says, um, while we were uh, yet still sinners, uh, uh, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then in the gospel, Jesus's heart was moved to pity because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus, you know, he said, tells us doesn't abandon, doesn't abandon his sheep. And so we are, this week's readings, take what we've gotten from the previous three week, weeks and sends us out on the mission. And it's just, so we're getting this continuous message from week to week to week to week. You know, we've gone through Easter. We've had the ascension. Now that Jesus has ascended, the apostles have to go do the thing, and which is go out and build the church. And this is the last three weeks have given us the tools, have equipped us, and now we are sent on mission. So um, what did you have for... Um, <laughs> did you, did you get much? I, I tried to take notes at yeah. some point. I kind of like couldn't keep up and yeah. I kind of stopped and Father Bob, the way he does homilies is different from the way our regular priests do homilies, which is they, I know they, I know they've thought about it. They've, they have a plan, but they don't read their homilies. I think Father Connors read his homily. I think it was prepared and written. It felt like he was reading it. And so it came at, at us pretty fast. Right. I mean, it was it felt good in the moment. It was just that I wasn't quite able to to catch everything. Yeah. I mean, that's, I just caught what I thought were the high points. By the time I got something down, he was well on to the next thing. So. Yeah, that's kind of like I, I was like, those are all really great quotes and I want to spend more time on them. But he went too fast for me to actually write them down. So I didn't. Right. I mean, and, I've got other things here. He said, you know, um, knowing the good news, we are people of joy at the heart of Jesus's suffering. When Jesus was on the cross, he wasn't thinking of himself. He was thinking of us. Um, the, uh, you know, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them. He's on the cross suffering and dying. He's been just been crucified for our sins. And he's asking the father to forgive us. For we know not right. what we do, you know. So at the heart of his suffering, he was thinking of us, how we will find true happiness when we work for the happiness of others. You know, that's really what we're we're being called to do is to go out and bring the joy of the gospel to others. Um, you see, I got into a conversation when I got home a friend of mine was asking about the epistle where, um, you know, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And it talks about, um, I'm just getting the, <laughs> right. the reading up for Melanie to uh, read. So indeed, only with difficulty does one die for a just person, though perhaps for a good person, one might even find courage to die. So she had a question like, what is the difference between a just person and a good person that Paul is trying to emphasize here? Well, there's OK. Go ahead. Well, well, oh, you weren't I asking. Did, no, 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 no. This is a rhetorical question. This is the question my friend asked me. OK, I went and did some research on on the Greek, of course, found interlinear trans, translation yes. and. I think that what Paul's doing here is there's not really a difference between good and just. They're they're synonyms. And it's kind of a biblical parallelism going on here, like that you see in the Psalms, where you say one thing and then you say it again in a slightly different way. So I think that really the contrast here is not between uh, what difference between a good person and a just person, but it's really we can almost imagine but it would be really difficult for us to right. die for a person who is good or for a person who is just. But Jesus, on the other hand, dies for those of us who are sinners, who are unjust, 
who are unrepentant. And so I think the contrast here is not between what's the difference between a good person and a just person, but, but we can barely imagine it would be heroic for a human being to die for a good person, to die right. for the protection of the innocent or to die because we want to, to, to give our lives for that good man. But Jesus is giving himself not for good people, but for sinners, for right. So those who do not at all deserve his sacrifice. Right. Under with natural means, again, without the Holy Spirit, we could imagine possibly maybe dying for some for a good person, an innocent person. And, you know, we might find the courage to die for that person. And and that's what Paul is saying. But through supernatural means, Jesus dies for the worst people. (laughs) Think of the worst possible person. You know, the, the, we can always call up the Hitler or, you know, Saddam Hussein or Osama bin Laden or whatever. You know what I mean? Just think of, you know, or worse, just like the worst possible person. And Jesus still died for them. Right. And that's the thing. That's the astounding notion is Jesus died for those who are, in a, from our purely human eyes, least worthy. That's love. Loving someone who, from a human perspective, is unlovable. Right. That's the that's what makes it divine love. And 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 to sort of recognize that that none of us, from God's perspective, deserves Jesus' death. We do not deserve it because we, we are a good person. No matter how good we are, no matter how good we strive, we we were enemies. That's what Paul right. says. We were enemies enemies of god in our sin. So, so jesus isn't dying for the just man for the good man he's dying for the enemy right you and me <laughs> not not just hitler not just saddam you and me he died for because we were enemies right in our sin so i was i was glad that she asked that question because it did make me go a little bit deeper and to really ponder what is saint paul saying here and and I appreciate also the crafting of the way he says it, because it is kind of difficult to unpack St. Paul a lot. And I, I did kind of have to like go look at the Greek words and say and wrestle with it a bit. Right. And I also kind of cheated and looked at some commentaries and I oh, found some commentaries which were very helpful. Not cheating. That's using <laughs> those resources right. you're supposed to use. Uh, so the the whole verse here is indeed if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more once reconciled, we will be saved by his life. So while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. So on Good Friday, we were reconciled. Now, after that, we were reconciled. How much more now that we're in that position, will we be saved by his life? Not only that, it's like, and there's more. It's like the, like the uh, old advertisements. Just wait, there's more. We also boast of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we've received the reconciliation. We've been saved. We've been loved. Now we must boast of God. That What is that? That's the mission. Go evangelize. Go Tell the world about what Jesus has done for you. I, I love the way Paul uses boast there because it's not really boasting in term, human terms. You know, he says in other, in other place, I don't boast of anything except the cross right. of Jesus. Like to boast of the cross is such a weird paradoxical thing, but it's beautiful. Like how Paul really digs into those, those paradoxes and makes us really wrestle with them right right yeah the boastfulness is a a negative and yet he makes it a positive there um and then in the gospel you know cure the sick he he sends the 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 12 out and he says um don't go into pagan territory or enter a samaritan town it's interesting he does that he's like look baby steps okay i'm not sending you out into like soon enough they will go out into pagan territory they will go Thomas to India and and Paul. Well, Paul isn't in this gospel, but Peter to Rome and John to Ephesus and James to Spain. And, you know, they will all go out 
into pagan territory. But for now, just stick to the house of Israel. Just stick to the places you know and tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand and then cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Can you imagine them doing this for the first time? I really, it it must have been just amazing. Like they'd been watching Jesus do these miracles, curing sick people, but then to actually do it yourself, like without Jesus standing there, even like going out on your own and suddenly finding that you have the power to do that. I can't even imagine. See, I would think, you know, other faith leaders of the sort, prophets or messiahs or saviors would, they would perform the miracles, but you'd expect them to kind of be jealous of their power. No one else gets the power to do all this. Right. Like cult leaders who, who yeah. do, do. They're, they have, they, they're the ones. Jesus gives this out freely. No, no, go do this. Go on. You, you'll be fine. You don't need me to come with you. Just go. You'll be fine. Just, do, just stick in the stick together. Everyone get a partner, stay together and uh, go to, don't go outside the territory. Stay in your home town. You'll stay in your yard. You'll be good. And he sends them out. I kind of, I mean, I know it's kind of cliche to think of like the chosen, but I kind of am looking forward to you because we, we st- we're still in the second season. So at some point I'm, I, I'm guessing we're going to see the apostles get sent out by Jesus to, to go perform these miracles. And I'm kind of curious to see how the actors portray this. Cause it will be, I think it'll be amusing to see right. them like doing the miracles themselves. It's going to be pretty amazing. And that, and you can imagine them getting out and going out and proclaiming the kingdom of heaven and seeing the reaction of people and healing and being the ones doing it is, is what kind of powered their ministry the rest of their lives after the ascension. You know, it's, it's pretty amazing. This, this internship that they get put on by Jesus. <laughs> Frankly, to me, it sounds terrifying. Yeah. Well, yes, you're the introvert. I, <laughs> I yeah. I mean, I would be like, uh, you want me to do what now? Jesus? <laughs> you want me to, to, to go? Can I and- just stay with you? No, no. <laughs> you are apostles. You are sent. You are, you're given a mission. And that's the thing. It's nice and easy, isn't it? To sit in the pew. Coming every Sunday and I mean, but the truth is that we are actually being sent. I mean, that's the Ite Misa est. The mass has ended. Go forth. Go forth. Proclaim the gospel. The kingdom of heaven right. is at hand. Because Misa uh, Ite Misa est doesn't actually mean the mass has ended. No. That's a really terrible translation because it really means go, you are sent. Go, you are sent. Right. You are sent. Right. You're being sent out. Go and proclaim the gospel. That's 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 what you'll see. We go to the mass to be equipped to then go and proclaim the gospel. That's the point. I mean, the point is also to worship God, give him the worship that he's due. But at the end, we're also sent. And that's what Jesus is doing in this gospel. And that's what he's saying to us. Go. Okay, you've been equipped. You've got the sacraments. You've been you've you've gotten the word of God. You've prayed. You've called for the Holy Spirit to enliven you go now not all of us are called to go town to town and to proclaim and to drive out demons and cleanse lepers some of us are called to podcast other people are called to change dirty diapers and cook dinner um you know proclaiming the kingdom takes a different form for everybody we've all got different gifts but we must proclaim the kingdom wherever we go whatever we're doing and you know sometimes implicitly and sometimes explicitly uh you know, by being who we are and by being Christians. So uh, consider that your mission. <laughs> this tape will now self-destruct in 30 seconds. <laughs> your mission, should you choose to accept it. All right. Oh, I was going to tell my uh, my Father's Day joke. Oh, do you have it's, to? It's not a Father's Day joke. It's a dad joke. And since it's Father's Day, I get to tell it. Right. Okay. So there's a church in Ireland. And these two guys are working in the church, renovating, and they're up on the scaffolding. And while they're up there, this little old lady comes in to the church and she goes right over to the statue of Mary and she kneels down and starts praying before Our Lady. And one of the guys nudges the other one and says, uh, watch this. I'm going to I'm going to have a, a little fun with her. Uh, although I think an Irishman would say a different thing, but 
I don't uh-huh. want to say it on the podcast. Okay. And he, so he leans over the side of the railing of the scaffolding and he, and he yells at cups his hand and says, it's the Lord. She doesn't, doesn't flinch, doesn't bat an eye. And he says to his buddy, well, maybe she's hard of hearing. You know, I'll say it louder. It's the Lord. She still doesn't flinch. And the other guy says, no, no, you're doing it wrong. You need an, you need an Italian accent. It is the Lord. Was that an Italian accent? No. And so okay. it's an Irishman doing an Italian accent. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. Finally, she kind of sighs, shrugs her shoulders, and without turning around or, or missing a beat, she just yells out, Quiet now, you. I'm talking to your mother. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, I like that one. It was a good one. So. Sophie liked it. She did. She did. Sophie is my favorite. She laughs at my jokes. Bella, Bella has your sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> well, that said, we should wrap things up, I guess. Okay. So let's do that. And as we do, I would like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create Raising the Bets, including Masij B, John L, Paul L, James H, and Robert K. They're generous tax-deductible donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue raising the bets in all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And that's it for this time. Find links from our discussion in our show notes at sqpn.com slash bets. That's B-E-T-T-S. Send your feedback at the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media. Send us an email at bets at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. Follow Raising the Bets in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at the StarQuest YouTube channel where you should also make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. Until next time, I'm Dom Bettinelli. And I'm Melanie Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to Raising the Bets on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Stargate. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash stargate.